Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. Believe That's right. When you don't know what to do, just keep on breathing. From the City of Angels in Los Angeles and from the Big Apple in New York City, I'm Dave Nassani, the caregiver's caregiver, and welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land. Normally, my lovely co-host Adrian Guberg is with us today, but she could not make it, so we'll miss her. But we are coming to you live 24-7 on numerous syndicated radio and podcast networks on 26 global audio and video platforms, including iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Vimeo, Stitcher Radio, and a whole bunch more. In fact, we are proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 on Player FM, and number two on Feedspot out of the top 60, and number two on CaringVillage.com. And we have an especially exciting show planned for you today. Dr. Thomas Hemingway, a holistic and integrative medical doctor who believes in prevention over prescription. And he's the author of his book, Preventable. Um, you can listen to that interview and all our listen- interviews on our membership website, caregiverdave.com, or any of the other 26 global video audio platforms that I mentioned earlier. All right, enough of that. Dr. Hemingway, welcome to the Caregiver Dave Show. We're so excited to have you on. Uh, awesome to be here, Dave. Thanks so much for having me. Cool. And we always like to ask our guests, uh, just who is Dr. Hemingway and why was he placed on this earth? <laughs> That's a great question. You know, I, um, my whole life, I've been, I've been really fascinated with not only health and wellness, but the natural and holistic part. When I was a teenager, I got a hold of a book by Deepak Chopra, mm. Quantum Healing. And I was convinced from that point on that health was much more than just understanding a pathophysiology or or disease process and naming, you know, in medical school, we named all the diseases. And and then we we, kind of did this thing where we matched them up with pharmaceuticals. And for me, Mm -hmm. that never really fit that well. I felt like there was much more to it, much more to understanding, you know, how these things were even caused in the first place, getting a little bit deeper down to the root and then trying to see if we could just prevent most of these illnesses in the first place, which actually we can. The majority of these diseases that we suffer from, like the most common ones, like heart disease, diabetes, stroke, cancer, for the most part, um, obesity, kidney disease, all these are almost entirely preventable. And most doctors aren't talking about this. And so I really feel like it's my mission to share this message on what we can do, how do we can empower ourselves, how we can empower our community, our family, our friends, those that we love, and really be able to not only get ourselves really healthy. So if we have to, we can care for those that we, that we love and, and really want to help, but also so we can care for ourselves. So you got to get, you got to get yourself good first before you can, you know, reach out and help someone else. So that's what I believe is possible through natural means primarily. Sure. And I always hear about people going to doctors and they give them a free sample of this newest drug that's going to just fix everything and they'll take it and they may like it or they may not like it. But uh, to fill that prescription when they run out, it usually costs about $100 a pill that insurance doesn't cover. Isn't that amazing? 
I wonder how many of these doctors are in bed with the pharmaceutical. Oh my gosh. Too many to count. I, I it's <laughs> embarrassing to even talk about, to be honest, because it's, that's not why I went into medicine. <laughs> well, good for you. So how do you optimize your energy by making sleep your superpower? Nobody talks about sleep or how, how many hours sleep do you get? You know, some people can, they say survive on three or four hours sleep, but caregivers only get two on average, but they're not surviving. But uh, why can some people seem to tolerate less sleep than others? Well, that's such an interesting topic. I was in that category you just mentioned for many years. I, I told myself I could survive off of three or four hours a night and that I was just too busy to consider even the option of sleeping for longer than that. And I, I got by, I did this for 20 years, you know, throughout my medical school training, my early years as a physician, my early years as a father, I have six children. So they were keeping me up at night. In addition to work, both uh, in a hospital setting, which was 24 seven, oftentimes, and I just told myself I could get by. And, and that's what I was doing. I was getting by, I was surviving, I was certainly not thriving. And, you know, not to discredit all the people out there that are trying to survive, but uh, there is a better way. And there is a way to be able to achieve a good night's sleep, whatever that number is for you. The average is right around seven hours. So everybody uses the eight hour number. It's really between seven and nine. And everybody's a little bit different. There are some anomalies, some outliers, if you will, that can survive off of six. Um, Really anything less than six is just too little. And I know for caregivers, six probably sounds like a dream right now. And, and I get it. It's, it's challenging sometimes, but if whatever you can do to try to get, you know, as many, not only just hours in the rack, so to speak in bed, but, but have those hours be, you know, profound where you're actually in a deep sleep, which if you're just kind of drifting off and then waking back up, you'll never achieve the deeper stages of sleep. And so that it won't be as restful for you. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of misunderstanding out there where we feel like we can get by with a couple hours a night and, and you can for a couple of nights, but you can't do it long-term and it starts to really wreak, wreak havoc on your health. In fact, the WHO actually classifies sleep disorders and people like me who used to work a lot of night shifts, you know, the so-called shift workers, they actually classify that as a carcinogen. In other words, oh. cancer causing potentially because it wow. really messes up, messes up your health if you're, if you're not getting good sleep. <laughs> yeah, I can tolerate six hours, but then in the middle of the day, you know, if, if things are quiet, I start nodding off or uh, if I get any less than that, uh, I'm nodding off at red lights, you know, so <laughs> I don't want that to happen. But yeah, yeah, yeah God I, bless those who, who seem to uh, make it more. How do we know if we're getting enough sleep? Uh, by what if we need naps in the middle of the day? You know, I'm 68. They say older people need naps. What do you think? Well, it depends. So, so naps can be helpful, but for the most part, um, they really shouldn't be longer than about 30 to 45 minutes because once you fall asleep for longer than that, it's actually going to really mess up your evening sleep because of the, uh, it, it just screws with your, what's called your circadian biology. So the so-called power nap, absolutely. That can be super helpful. And that's been studied, uh, not only in people that are working weird hours of the night, airline pilots, you know, ER doctors, things like that. It's been shown to be helpful in about a 30, you know, 20 to 40 minute increment, anything more than about 40 or 45 minutes can actually really mess up your evening sleep. So power naps can be helpful, but one of the most important things for people to really get into a good rhythm 
is actually to get out in the morning and see natural light. So if you rise early anyway, if you just get up and walk outside for five minutes and see the, the sun come up, that's actually going to help you get among the best sleep that you've ever had in your life just from that simple act of seeing the daylight during those daylight hours. And it doesn't have to be long. Five minutes can be all, all you really need, and it can really set you up for a beautiful night's sleep. Yeah, well, that's good. Um, how do you feel more sharp and focused and full of energy by choosing your foods wisely? Yeah, so food food is such an amazing topic. It, Hippocrates said, uh, even back in the day, that, that food can be our best medicine. And really, it can be our best medicine. And he, he said this, let medicine be thy food and food be thy medicine. And that was thousands of years ago. And I really think that he was spot on because it can be the best possible medicine, or it can be a slow poison. And we get to make that decision several times a day, you know, three meals a day or a couple of snacks in between. And unfortunately, the, the dogma out there, even among many nutritionists, doctors, others, they, they really don't focus on the quality of what we eat, you know, especially like, for example, this past year um, has been rough for me and my family, both my mother and my stepmother were diagnosed with uh, metastatic cancer this year. And their uh -huh. doctors keep telling them, just eat, you know, because they're on chemo and things like that, where they don't have any appetite, just eat anything you want. It doesn't even matter what you eat, just try to get calories in you. And that's actually among the worst advice that you could be giving something. The quality of your food trumps everything. And just one simple take home point from this, if you're eating things that come in a bag or a box or with a barcode, what I they call the three B's, the bag, the box, the barcode, you really got to pay attention to what's in these things because most of them are highly processed and they're not going to be good for you. Try to eat the food that doesn't need a label at all that you just recognize. It's either a fresh vegetable or fruit or it's well-raised, you know, um, meat of some kind, if you eat meat, fish that's wild caught or grass fed and finished uh, beef or pasture raised chicken, you know, these kinds of things that were in the field raised naturally in the way that they have been for millennia. We as humans have been eating all kinds of things, including meat, including berries, including whatever tubers we could access for thousands of years. And we should be continuing to eat that way, not the things that come highly processed from a factory. Those, those are not natural to us. And in fact, they contain not only many chemicals and additives that, that many of the which aren't even allowed in other countries. Here in the US, we seem to allow just about everything into our food. And it's crazy. It's really absurd. But if you can just try to eat the foods that literally don't have a label, that are just natural, whole, real foods from you know, the garden, from the field, from the market, shop on the perimeter, as they say, you'll be much better off and you won't have to worry about all these potential toxins out there that can be sneaking into our foods, literally hiding in plain sight. Wow, great advice. Uh, let me back up to another sleep question because uh, I have a gas station and every now and then someone doesn't show up. And so my partner and I are going to have to split the graveyard shift. So I'm going to work from 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. tonight. So I'm trying to figure this out. Um, what's been working for me, and, and I want to know if this is, uh, uh, if you can prove that it's accurate, uh, sleep four hours before my shift and four hours after my shift. Does that really work? Hey, if it works for you in that scenario, I say it works, you know, whatever, you know, on average, you're, you're shooting for that eight hours, which is fantastic. I, I would work something similar when I was working overnights, I would start just like you at 11 and my shift would go till 7am, but I would try to sleep a little bit before 
my shift. And then when I get home, I'd immediately go to sleep for a few hours after. And I try to have those two numbers make up about eight hours. And so I think if it works for you, that's perfect. I mean, the body on average needs that, that amount of time. And so if you can get it in that fashion and it's working for you, keep doing it that way. You're crushing it. I love it when I make good decisions. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I'm 68, like I said, and I go to the gym and I have a trainer because, you know, I had back problems and sciatica and all that. And all of that has gone away because my back doctor said uh, my herniated disc shrunk down from eight to four. He says, you don't need back surgery. Uh, just join a gym, work on your core. I've been doing that. But I don't have the uh, discipline to to do it without the trainer telling me, no, 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 keep going, keep going. But you say that uh, you can actually get exercise without going to a gym or with fancy equipment. Yeah, absolutely. So um, what you're doing, Dave, it's working for you. Keep doing it. Not not everybody has access to a gym and or a trainer, but if that's working for you, yeah, if that's working for you uh, and that's helping you to be consistent, by all means, keep doing it. Um, For a lot of us, we either don't have the funds to go to a gym or just don't have a gym close by. Where I live, I live super rural. And if I wanted to go to a gym, it would take me an hour just to get there. So I'd be two hours on the road for maybe a one hour gym visit. It just, for me, it doesn't make sense. So what I do is I I have a lot of simple exercises that I like to do. Most of the, which are just body weight. So things like air squats, like right now I'm actually, I'm standing at my desk. That's another thing that, that most people don't think about. They've, they've said, and and many have heard this, that sitting is the new smoking. And, and they just say that because, you know, the amount of hours we spend seated is directly correlated to basically our incidence of many diseases. So the more we sit, the more likely we can get heart disease, diabetes, cancer, oh all these kinds of things. So I, I should start I actually, doing my show standing up. You should. I mean, honestly, like you'll feel better. You can bounce around. Because I, and I, and I really- sit in this chair for an hour and when I get up, it's like, oh my God. I've got to lay on the bed just to stretch out and do all of that. I'm going to try that. Thanks for the advice. Yeah. And, and something simple, most people don't think about, you don't have to have a standing desk. I happen to have one where I am in the world right now, but most places I visit, what I do is I just take a cardboard box, usually something from Amazon that I just have, I'm ready to throw out. I literally put that cardboard box on top of my regular desk or a countertop or what have you. I stick my laptop on top of this cardboard box and then all of a sudden, voila, I got a standing desk. And so that way I can move around when I'm doing things. I also, at the base of my desk, I keep some, some just simple dumbbell weights and I can pick them up and, and be able to use them. What's actually interesting about this, um, Dave, besides the simplicity of having sort of exercises you can do, like let's say at home, for example, body weight exercises like air squats, burpees, you know, all these kinds of things. My favorite is the plank and that that's a little hard when you've never done them. You know, you do one for 30 seconds, you feel like you're going to die. And then, you know, a few weeks later, you're doing it for a couple of minutes. You're like, oh my gosh, my body feels so much better. It feels amazing. And I'm like you, I have, I have chronic back issues and I actually, I can't sit for very long. My, my, my least favorite thing in the world is to get on a plane flight because of my back is just shot after that, because it's so uncomfortable to sit for hours. And so I try to incorporate these daily movements with body weight. Primarily, I, I love to do pull-ups. So I have a pull-up bar in every location that I stay in the world. And I do pull-ups nearly every day because they're just a good body weight exercise. And if you can't do a pull-up, you can just simply hang there. And just the act of hanging there and using your muscles to kind of support your body and to also just 
you know, be able to stretch out. I find that helps my back as well. So, so the short story is that there are a lot of exercises you can do at home without any equipment, just with your own body weight. And they involve, you know, simple things like squatting and, mm-hmm. um, you know, burpees and planks. And there's actually a really good book out there called the resistance training, uh, revolution, uh, with, uh, Sal, I forget his last name, Di Stefano or something like that. He he's got diagrams of all these body weight exercises you can do. It's actually a really a great book, especially Dave for, for all of us, because we're not getting any younger. And one of the most important things we can do to stay healthy until we go is to build up our muscle mass. Muscle mass will actually help you stay healthy. And the quicker you lose your muscle mass, the quicker your health declines. And so yeah. maintaining some degree of muscle mass and like you're doing, going to the gym with a trainer, that's phenomenal. Keep doing it. And he measures it. And I keep uh, increasing my muscle weight, keep reducing my fat. So that makes me feel good. Oh, that's amazing. So let's amazing. talk about uh, the emotions. You know, uh, you can be physically fit and be emotionally sick, right? Yeah, talk about that's- that. Right now, you know, we've all had lots of experience with this. The last couple of years have been really tough, you know, super stressful in a lot of different ways. And they have wreaked havoc on most of our emotions, including my own. In fact, one of the, one of the things that, that I stopped doing, in fact, this was quite a while ago, I just stopped watching the news. I, I don't really watch any television, but specifically I stopped watching the news because I just think about it. One, is there any time in your entire life, Dave, that you've ever turned on any news station? I don't care if it's conservative, liberal, doesn't even matter. Any news station have you ever felt better after you watched the news Never. than when you started? Not once. So why the heck Never. did we do that to ourselves? I turned it why off we... also. I just can't yeah, stand it. Yeah, I just it can't. It doesn't, mood. yeah, it puts you in a bad mood. It gets your stress and anxiety up. And so what's cool about this whole mental sort of emotional aspect is that largely it is really under our control. There was a landmark study in 2014 that looked at nearly 200,000 people. So it was a huge study. And all of them got to rate their stress as either mild, moderate, or severe. And what was interesting is that one would predict that those that rated their stress as severe, high-level stress, that these guys would be, and gals, would be the ones that had the negative health consequences. Interestingly enough, it was only a subset of that group. In other words, within that group, there were some that actually did have negative health outcomes, but those were the ones who believed in their mind They gave it that meaning that stress was bad for them. They believed that. The other part of these guys that also, and gals that had the highest stress, they, in their minds, felt like stress could be beneficial. It could help them to grow. It could be actually a growth experience. And they could could have something good come about from it. Like during this whole COVID thing, many of us had to pivot and change our work, work from home, do all these different pivots in our life. And those of us that saw it as a potential for growth, like even for me, I, I worked less in the hospital you know, once things kind of settled down and more from my home and on the computer screen. And at first I was, I was having a hard time adjusting, but then I I got to realizing, Hey, you know what, what a beautiful time in my life. I have young children. They're at home with me. I actually get to see them more often. Like what a blessing that it was for me. So it was all about how you phrase it in your head, because the meaning that you attach to this will actually decide the ultimate outcome. So that group that had the highest stress, those that believed that it was harmful to their health. Well, guess what? It was, it was a self-fulfilling prophecy, but those who believed that it could be beneficial, they actually had 
lower incidence of chronic disease. So in other words, it was protective for that group, despite having the high level of stress. So it was really the meaning that they gave to it that made all the difference in the end. In this phenomenal yeah. study, 200,000 patients, the 2014 landmark study, and there's been others that have replicated this. So the power of the mind is, is really amazing. And we should, we should, you know, use it, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, we're running out of time and I've got five more questions. So let's try to keep maybe 60 seconds uh, answers. Okay, I hate to it. do that to you, but time is the enemy. Um, you talk about gut health and I happen to know about that because I bought this product called Plexus. It's this pink powder and I drink that and so many things have been going right without, you know, the gut, what are they, leaky gut, you know, and my, I had a fungus on my nails that started clearing up. So uh, I know you can talk about the, the benefits of gut health. Everyone's talking about that, right? Yeah. And I'm so grateful. It's finally being recognized even in mainstream medicine. To yeah, some everybody's degree. talking and about it's, it. It's, it's <clears throat> really, once again, Hippocrates said this, he said 2000 plus years ago, all disease begins in the gut. Dr. Hemingway says that all health really starts in the gut. And I really mm -hmm. believe that because the way that we treat our gut, there's literally, you know, trillions and trillions of bacteria there. They're at least as numerous as our human cells. They probably outnumber us, but they certainly outnumber us with the DNA or the genetic mm -hmm. material. So why wouldn't we pay attention to these guys and try to mm -hmm. encourage the good guys to proliferate and not the bad guys. And when we yeah. do that, it'll affect literally every area of our health. And primarily it's affected by our food, our amount of sleep, whether or not we get exercise, you know, all these same healthy practices not only affect us, but they also affect them. So yeah, gut health is critical. Yeah. And you know, it's no secret that caregivers don't take very good care of themselves. They don't get enough sleep. They don't eat right. There's just so much stuff. The stress is killing 30% of caregivers die before their loved ones do. And many more become hospitalized, become sicker than the ones they care for, need a caregiver of their own. And so what's the best way of, you know, choosing the best doctor or, you know, avoiding burnout or, or choosing the best uh, foods and or medicines. Uh, hopefully they don't need any medicine. Hopefully the food can be the medicine. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, food first is always my mantra. Start with the simple whole food. Like I said, shop on the perimeter stuff that doesn't have to have a label. But also when you choose your doctor, try to choose a doctor that has at least the mindset that they're open to natural treatments. You know, I, I personally, I prescribe medications when they're necessary, but a lot of my job nowadays is to get people off of medication because oftentimes once you take one, you'll probably add a second and a third and a fourth. And often they're added just to beat some side effect of a previous agent. So it's like you're chasing your tail. There's so many miraculous things that can happen when you do what you said, Dave, when you get your gut healthy, when you manage you know, the things that you put in your mouth, the types of yeah. foods that you eat, a, a super easy thing people can do, especially caregivers that, that are feeling tired, they don't have the energy, they don't have time to eat a proper meal is start to replace some of the snack foods that they may be eating with some healthier options. Like my favorite is just a handful of nuts, keep mm -hmm. almonds around walnuts here in Hawaii, we love macadamia nuts, I literally have macadamia nuts almost every day, because they're so dang healthy. I love them. And they're full of energy. They literally pack a punch as far as the, the healthy calories that they offer you. And there's one ingredient there, the ingredient macadamia nuts. I buy some that are salted because I, I like the Hawaiian sea salt in addition. And I, I don't worry about it at all. And they're why so are they so, so expensive, healthy. though? 
Yeah, they're one of the know, most expensive nuts. They are. They are. Well, oh, they, and, and you don't you don't need many. I mean, a small little handful will tide you over for a couple of hours. So you don't need a lot. But yeah, they are a little bit pricey. So you can stick to others like almonds, walnuts that are less expensive that also okay. are very nutritious as well, or just a handful of berries. Like in the summer, I love the summer right now. All of these fruits are in season. You know, just take a handful of blueberries or strawberries or what have you, blackberries, and they make an amazing snack. And they're actually healthy. They're good for you. So what is, uh, you're an author, right? Yeah. What is it? Talk about your book and how people can get it. Awesome. Yeah. So my book is called Preventable, Five Powerful Practices to Avoid Disease and Build Unshakable Health. And it's actually due out in October. It's not quite released yet, but you can find it if you just hop on over to my website, thomashemingway.com. And there's a link to the book there and you can put your name in to get all the alerts that, that will be surrounding its release and how you can get a signed copy and all this kind of fun stuff. It's, it's really been a fun journey and to be able to disseminate this helpful information that's basically, you know, when you, when you see all these things, you can be like, Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that I was supposed to start my day with protein rather than carbohydrates. You know, a lot of these simple things that don't cost any money that will be super useful to people. And I can't wait to get that out there. So you can find it Dr. Hemingway uh, on Instagram or thomashemingway.com or the book has its own site called thepreventablebook.com. Wow, this went so fast. It's great, great information. And you're a great guest with lots of good stuff for people to put in practice, right? And they'll feel better. And caregivers really need that. now, everybody, remember our live show has become recorded pod and video cast on your favorite networks. And you can purchase my number one newly released book, Secrets from the Hammock, Uncommon Wisdom for Uncommon Times. It's a great book that's changing lives all over the world, available wherever books are sold. And my Facebook page, Caregiver Dave. And um, if you happen to click or the like button or the follow button, whatever platform you're watching us on, it helps us reach even more caregivers by improving Google search engine algorithms. So thanks again, all my listeners out there all over the world for tuning in every Wednesday, making us the number one caregiver podcast on the internet. So until next week, same time, same channel, may God richly bless you. Bye-bye. I'm Dave Nassani. My fourth book, Secrets from the Hammock, Uncommon Wisdom for Uncommon Times, is a number one bestseller on Amazon. As a young boy, I was told I possessed an unusual amount of wisdom for my age. As a young man, I found myself counseling friends and older family members whenever they needed answers to their problems. Then at 21, I read the Bible for the very first time and learned how King Solomon asked God for wisdom instead of riches, yet he received both. I was so impressed that I too asked God for wisdom. Soon after, I discovered when lying on my hammock, I would receive wisdom from God. This book is the result of my passion to share with the world wisdom's tremendous benefits. Join me as I reveal practical aspects of wisdom for the mind, body, and spirit. 31 lessons I learned from God that can change your life. Available in hardcover, audible, Kindle, and paperback. Wherever books are sold. I've spoken all over the country and London, and am available to speak at your event. Contact me at hammockwisdom.com. Dave Nassani, the caregiver's caregiver, has just released his sixth book entitled It's My Life Too. 
Thrive to Stay Alive as a Caregiver. It was specifically written for caregivers who know they should be putting their needs first, but just don't know how. Dave is the sole caregiver to his wife, Charlene, since 1996. He knows firsthand what caregivers are going through because he is one. He now speaks all across the country, offering caregivers his amazing caregiver support package. Even the airlines tell us that in the event of an emergency, to put your oxygen mask on first before you help your child with their mask. They know that those who don't heed their advice often black out, thus becoming unable to help either themselves or their child. And caregivers are exactly the same way. It's my life too. Thrive and stay alive as a caregiver will help caregivers who are neglecting their sleep, diet, and social life and learn to put their needs first. Pick up your copy today or buy one for your special caregiver on sale everywhere and at caregiverdave.com. Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing. 